Okay. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Dren. And I'm Hot David. <laughs> so you're David Willis this week because it's Hot Shot episode. That's right. Oh. Well, it, it makes sense because in this episode, someone does indeed become the jam copter. <laughs> That's a good point. There is some jam coptering. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, nobody eats your babies. <laughs> good. No one's shoulders hurt. No, nobody uh, Nobody humps that tank. <laughs> Uh, it's been a while since we've had a plethora of Transformers memes like that. Yeah. Uh, such a good comic. Uh, so this uh, this episode written by Greg Johnson, uh, making his grand return to uh, Transformers, uh, because he wrote four episodes of Beast Wars. Oh, wow. Oh. Yes. Uh, and in fact, some of my favorite episodes of Beast Wars. You got Equal Measures, uh, the episode mm-hmm. where Cheetor accidentally teleports into the Predacon base. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, and Pterosaur kind of names the Predacon ship. Uh. Okay, that one's not one of my favorites, but he also wrote Guerrilla Warfare. Ooh. Oh, yes. The one where Optimus Primal goes nuts and uh, predators <laughs> his way through the entire uh, Predacon army. It's These awesome. These are some, some extremely, like, 80s cartoon plot episodes. I, I approve. Uh, he wrote Bad Spark. Maybe um, the best Beast Wars episode? Wait, that's the um, Evil Rhinox episode? That's the first one with Ram... No, that's the first one with Rampage. Oh. Oh. Mm, Ooh, that yeah, is a good one. Maybe. It's a really good one. That is a really good one. Getting away from the 80s cartoon plots there. Yes. Uh, however, unfortunately, he also wrote Feral Scream Part 1. Uh. Um. Eh. So I, I did do a, a brief spot of research, by which I mean spent like three minutes looking at TF Wiki. Uh, it doesn't explicitly list a target age range for rescue bots, but it does mention it winning some awards under preschool. Uh, but okay. not like Emmys. Hmm. Like it did, okay, it won a couple daytime Emmys, uh, one of which was Jeff Bennett for just outstanding performer in an animated program. Uh, and one for outstanding writing for an animated program. Uh, but there were, there was the, the 2016 Annie Awards and the 2017 Synopsis Kids Imagination Awards. Uh, both listed it as preschool series. So, but it, oh. it does feel a little bit older. It does feel like yes. it's sort of hitting a spot that's not, that, that's just like, just graduated from Paw Patrol. Was Paw Patrol around back then? I don't know. I don't have kids. (laughs) All I I know is I gave my nephew John a Rescue Bots Optimus Prime, and he didn't understand why you would want to make truck into truck man. (laughs) It ruined a perfectly good truck. (laughs) But, I mean, the... the, uh... What was I talking about? I, oh, I oh, well, hey, so yeah, two daytime Emmys. Take that, Susan Luigi. <laughs> so I, I am sort of curious if, and this is again something I would have to actually do some research on. So maybe when I'm bored at work this weekend, uh, 
But, like, whether any of... Like, I assume that you have writers who, like... I'm pretty sure Ian Corlett eventually, like, went on to specialize in writing preschool programs. Oh, yes. Like, it seems like something that one would specialize in as, like, a, a specialty in childhood development or something. And I was sort of curious. I mean, we know at least a significant amount of the writing staff came from Transformers Prime, but I'm curious if, like, any of them actually have, like, experience writing preschool programming or if that's the problem. <laughs> well, problem uh, I will in air say, quotes. But. Uh, Greg Johnson, his uh, resume is not so much preschool stuff and a lot of, like, boys' action stuff. Like, he started out on Biker Mice from Mars. <gasps> oh, oh that, mm, that's a show we are never going to watch because, no. That that is like third tier TMNT ripoff. Also wrote episodes of, of Extreme Dinosaurs. Hey man, it's about the same quality. I I think Bob Forward definitely worked a lot on Biker Mice for Mars. I think he was one of the story editors. In fact, according to his TF Wiki page, he was given his first break by Bob Forward to working on Biker Mice for Mars. Well, uh, there you go. It gave somebody work. That that that's a good thing that happened. <laughs> came out of Biker Mice from Mars. Oh. I absolutely watched Biker Mice from Mars when I was, like, 14, but not with the same enthusiasm that I watched ExoSquad. I was more of a Street Sharks guy. Also, I'm pretty sure one of those Marvel Age issues that I recently unearthed after going through my comic boxes had an article about Biker Mice from Mars in it, because they did, like, a spinoff comic. Yes. Uh Anyway. The Marvel Age that has that art of G2 Sideswipe that I'm absolutely getting as a tattoo. So we, we, we open with Doc Green, who is racing through the streets in his solar car, which looks, um... <laughs> it's a little uh, on the nose. Yeah, it's, it's very much a DeLorean. We, do we, <laughs> we don't really get a good shot of it, like, stopped. It's, like, moving and there's close-ups a lot, until maybe until the very it's end. It's a DeLorean. It's actually going to show up again. Okay, well... <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. It, it's gray, and it's got stuff, and, um... Although its flux capacitor is a little bigger and carbonated, <laughs> there's clearly bubbles in there. This thing runs on surge. <laughs> mm. That's that's why it's so extreme. Yes. I guess. Well, it's supposedly solar powered, but I guess surge makes sense. Like the added caffeine gets it to go <laughs> and not stop. Which is the problem. It will not stop. Will not deviate. Yeah, this thing is definitely going 88 miles an hour. Yes. Uh, I... In a way, I'm glad I can't find Surge anymore, but part of me is like, oh, I miss Surge. Because Surge was, like, my main drink in college. <laughs> I ran <laughs> on Surge. Literally. Surge. Across campus. That and uh, pretzels from Wawa. <laughs> anyway, everybody is trying to stop this thing. Uh, all Heatwave... Heatwave does save a bunch of parked cars from it, but only serves to do, like, a... A sick ladder jump. 
Yes. Also, there are a lot of tail fins on the cars in this parking lot. Speaking of, like, perhaps cultural touchstones that children will not understand. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like like when, when the car's going and it's going to crash in, like, four parked cars and they got big tail fins. And, and it made me realize, oh, they're going past the town hall from Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's not the town hall from Back to the Future? They're the same town hall. <laughs> yes, it's the same town hall for the same it, back It's the lot. same studio set. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I didn't realize that, but I'm not surprised. I just went with Gremlins because Gremlins is a better movie. Ooh. Ooh, that's a oh, gauntlet. I don't know. That is that's that's, a tough one. That's a pretty... There, there is less attempted sexual assault in Gremlins. That's a good well, point. That's true, but also I think there's a big gap between Michael J. Fox and Zach Galligan. Yeah. Okay, you got a point. Lead actor, Back to the Future definitely wins. And I'm also going to say a pretty big gap between Christopher Lloyd and Hoyt Axton. <laughs> Axton's <laughs> barely in the movie. It, it, it's it's yeah, a but also he gizmos like the second. Did movie. you know he wrote and sang the theme song to Mitchell? <laughs> what? I yes. Okay, I I remember hearing like he was a musician, but I did not know he, he was. was involved he... with the cinematic travesty that is Mitchell. I mean, he also wrote uh, jo- uh, Three Dog Nights: Joy to the World, Ooh. Uh, the, 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 the Jeremiah is a Bullfrog yes, song, but more more importantly, Mitchell. Uh, I mean, what would your mother say? <laughs> She'd say, he's not mine. I could just remember that car chase. I will always remember that car chase. And speaking of car chase, uh, Boulder and Graham try yeah. and uh, improvise a spike strip, uh, but unfortunately Doc Green has super tires on his unstoppable supercar and cannot stop. But he's very <laughs> excited to have tested them. Yes. He's so excited they actually work. Like uh, That gives me a flashback to something I cannot place. Like, some other... I've seen this exact gag before. Well, maybe might... not exactly. But it's like, oh shit, something is going horribly wrong. And then, oh, I'm glad... Like, plan B works on, yeah, the, well, on the side. I... Oh, that works. Yay. Well, you know, my, my tire replacement system working is going to distract me from my horrible, f- fiery, impending death. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's... It's a very Looney Tunes gag. Yes. Anyway, he's headed toward a uh, a canyon with a busted bridge. Why do so- they have this canyon with a busted bridge? It's like Griffin. The island of Griffin Rock is just like a microcosm of every possible danger. Well, <laughs> and also this episode really raises some questions about how big Griffin Rock is. This island is the size of Oregon. <laughs> it's fairly large. I, I wouldn't say it's that big. It, it, it is a sizable island that maybe is the size of Rhode Island. But I, I have a theory about this island that this episode brings up in a little bit that, well, I might as well say it now. It's like, I think this island used to be the hideout of supervillains. <laughs> like, last episode with the giant volcano, the, the broken bridge... We're going to see an evil science laboratory on a hilltop. Cliff <laughs> Yes. It, like, this island was like a retirement home for evil scientists, or was an evil science base that was wrecked. Oh, it's like, it's like Spider Skull Island on the Venture Brothers? Yes. Yes! <laughs> oh, exactly like that. Like, like it's, it's been repurposed. 
by a second generation of scientists who are less evil, or or somebody just bought the island after it was destroyed by James Bond. Or we, the morality R. has shifted from evil to neutral. We yeah. are going to get an evil mad scientist later on. Yay! So hold on to your hats. Anyway, so once again, Chase has to be the hero here and just grab this thing in robot mode and drag it until it stops running. Good job. And, I mean, that seems like the thing to do. And, uh, you know, uh, the the doc is pretty cheery about the whole thing, despite, you know, almost dying. Yes, it all worked perfectly well, except for the steering and the brakes. Yes. And so then we get a we get an interview from Huxley Prescott. Yay, uh, Jeff voiced Bennett. By, voiced, yes, voiced by our old pal Jeff Bennett. Doing an extremely Jeff Bennett voice. Yes. And he is um, very unscrupulous, and he's got this sweet van with his picture on it. <laughs> yes. It's like he's... I, it's hard to describe like what the, he is other than like he's an ambulance chaser for reporters. I mean, he's a bit of a Kent Brockman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's less... Oh, no, actually, he's um, Richard Thornburg, the, re the reporter from Die Hard. Wow, when was the last time I saw Die Hard? I don't remember I, the report. Uh, every Christmas. <laughs> okay. No, I, you know he's played by uh, he's, he's played by the redheaded guy from Ghostbusters, William Atherton. Yeah, sorry, we're we're busy watching oh, Gremlins oh, on Christmas. So ultra hateable. And then he's also in Die Hard Two. Uh, uh, Die Hard Two is great because it takes place at Dulles, and I know Dulles, and that's not Dulles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, no Dulles. The Pacific Bell telephones. Okay. And and this this impromptu interview outside their fire station rescue headquarters by uh not Kent Brockman is um I have a note, I hate Cade so much. <laughs> well yeah, because his he's interviewed and they're you know, they're talking about how because, you know, Cade and Graham participated in the rescue, but Danny did not because she was in a helicopter and her suggestion that Blades try and slow the car down by lowering himself down and bouncing off the roof a couple times. Yeah, he was, was Blades, not accepted. Blades was not a fan of that. No, it's my not my a good note. Idea. My note, I would like to point out, says Kate is the worst. Yes, because his he he says, well, you know, I want well, you know my sister Danny, you know, I couldn't do the job without her. Well, I probably could. <laughs> yeah, because like the the reporter guy asked Cade, and, and then he asked Graham, and then he's about to ask Danny. And then Cade butts in and she doesn't get a word in. <laughs> yeah, it is uh he 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 is he, he is a a real mansplainer. Yes. Probably also a manspreader. He's 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 got strong Flash Thompson energy. Yes. Yeah. So we, we cut back to the base. Rescue bots are getting cleaned up. Uh, Blades, he too, he too feels underappreciated. And Heatwave feels underappreciated in general because everybody treats them like, you know, a bunch of bleep blooping robots as opposed to actual people. I mean, legally. <laughs> as far yes. as anyone knows. Right. Hmm. But, I mean, you can't just say that they're not bleep blooping robots on the TV. Right. But, I mean, I guess this is just Heatwave being a jerk about things. 
Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Boulder is just happy playing in the mud, and he mentions like he's a tractor on his mother's side or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Try not to think about it too hard. I will not. Yeah, he says, I, I, I'm part tractor. Yes. Yeah, he just says, I'm part tractor. I just elaborated. <laughs> so, uh, so, but Danny, she has a plan. She's going to go see Doc Green at his uh, sinister ma- mad scientist base of malfunctioning inventions. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Someone it, makes a comment about how Doc Green keeps us busy. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. such an evil science lab because, like, Okay, admittedly she goes there in, at night so it darkens the lighting, but the the science lab is up on the side of a cliff. It's black and red with yellow windows. It it, it is a evil science lair it, to a it, it looks like they should cut to it and then bum 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 <laughs> Yeah. And then thunder crashes. Yes. Uh but in, instead he's just having newspapers hucked at him by a newspaper dispenser. It's supposed to uh, just throw newspapers into people's windows as they drive by, but instead it's just uncontrollably hucking Sunday editions at him. Yes, because apparently he just doesn't believe in putting stop buttons or limiters or brakes on literally anything. Safety features. Listen, he knows scientists who put safety features on their inventions, and they're all cowards. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But specifically, uh, Danny is looking for a scoop claw and look and get ready to hear the word scoop claw a whole lot. Yes, because yeah. that is an important thing in this episode. And he's all, oh, yeah, actually, we have uh, one that they used to use for logging around here in storage. So cut to uh, cut to the base. And Danny is bolting this thing onto Blades, who is not too thrilled. Yeah, it, it's is. Is this non-consensual body modding? I mean, it's more like... Coerced. I mean, since we know he can easily put it on and off, it's more like making somebody wear an ugly sweater. Yeah, I I will say it's like making somebody wear an ugly sweater. But it is metal. He is metal. She is bolting it to him. Okay, it's like making someone wear an ugly leather jacket and then zip it up. Yeah, but yes, but this is like buttoning it onto his skin. I mean, you can't do a one-to-one analogy here necessarily. Yeah, and and also the as soon as he puts as soon as he transforms with this thing, his teammates immediately start scoop shaming him because <laughs> it's right on his gut. Yes, it's like he's got a saggy bucket, and and he he says, "Does this make me look fat?" And and they just start laughing. Yeah, he says, "No, nobody laugh," and then everybody laughs. Aww, he's such a good boy. They're giving Blade's body image issues. Anyway, but it turns out it's super effective. There's a rock slide, and it is... (laughs) And it is Danny, Blade's, and the Scoop Claw, who saved the day by hauling away a huge-ass boulder. Yay! Which no one had planned for them to do, and they're all, like, preparing to catch it, and it's just like, whoop, up into the sky. Yep. And they're like, hey, maybe tell us before you do that. Yeah, and they're they're just using it for everything. They At one point, they stop a speeder in an incredibly terrifying fashion. <laughs> yes! yes. That like, got- everything else they do is, like, they lift a tree, or they dump water on a thing, but lifting an entire car, not safe. That guy's lucky to be alive. 
Yeah, that guy who looks like Tom Selleck. I was going to say he kind of looked like, um, I kind of got a Danny Trejo vibe off that guy. Maybe. Uh, they got similar mostly. I think he's a recurring character, too. Also, I believe it's with oh. the, uh, right after they, they do the boulder thing, they all have a, you know, big discussion about it. And and that's when Chase points out that that operation exceeded the acceptable level of risk. <laughs> And yeah, uh, that guy specifically is Don, and he will make numerous more appearances on the show. Are they always going to be oh. breaking laws? Is but he? It, it says that he is a resident of Griffin Rock and who has a need for speed. Ah, so oh. just so he has like get specifically breaking traffic laws. Yes, there are like re- recurring criminals, <laughs> like small, like petty criminals, not like well, re- super villains. There are there. Is at least one recurring supervillain. Well, okay. I mean, Tim Curry's coming up. And you know that guy's not. That guy's not shoplifting. Oh my god, Tim oh. Curry! Kilo Khan himself. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so Skullmaster every... himself. Space uh, Captain Captain Hook himself. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you know. You know, when you have a scoop claw, every problem looks like something to be scooped or clawed. Yes. And it's bothering everybody else because they're just scooping and clawing away without telling anybody. Yes. Also, when when they're having a later discussion after the big uh, compilation scene of, of them scooping and clawing at things and... He's talking about saving the day, and and Chase points out that you assisted the day when the day has not required assistance. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and and then like the the well, Heatwave just wants to saw this thing off him. Yeah. Yes, because the humans want to take it off, but but then when they go to see the, the other Transformers, like they have a power drill ready to rip it off. It's like. Great double unwelcome body modifications. <laughs> where are she, where are Blades' robotic rights in this situation? Yeah. Well, I anyway. think some big feelings for preschool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're just going out for you know a little flight. Uh, they take uh, they take Cody with them, and you know it kind of gets her to realize that you know you're kind of you know being a jerk to everybody, and we're not you're not letting anybody else do anything in your attempt to not be the girl. You're kind of making everybody else the girl. <laughs> And also, sometimes I'm the girl. Yes, yes. You're putting down Cody is is the important part. It's like because she's transferring the shit she gets from her older brothers. I get she's the second yet. Whatever. She's transferring from the old brothers onto Cody and not realizing it. And we barely see that in this episode. But yeah, yeah okay. He's he's the little one. Mm-hmm. So, and we kind of get a nice shot of like a storm moving in over the uh, the bay here. Yes. Yeah, and sure enough, an oh. incredibly violent electrical storm comes in. Yeah, and and um, Blades gets my favorite line of this episode: "The whirly bird gets the world." Yes, <laughs> that was that cute. Was cute. Yeah, so, uh, so Blades gets hit by lightning. They have to make an emergency landing. They manage to make a bit of an emergency transmission. Mayday, Arbor Day. <sighs> Anything day. He lands. There's also a giant forest fire raging. And, you know, first, their initial plan is, you know, okay, so Blades is fireproof. We'll just stay in Blades. But as Blades says, uh, if you do that, you will then be cooked like snickerdoodles. (laughs) 
So he has what been exactly making... is a snickerdoodle. I don't think that's really a Canadian thing. It's a kind of cookie that's like cinnamon. I mean, I think it's basically sort of a cinnamon cookie. Okay, that sounds pretty I good. I think sometimes they have sure. white chocolate. I don't know. I like Ooh, white chocolate well, chips I'd... and everything personally. Ooh, well, I love white chocolate. So but you can you good. can get them at like Noodles and Company. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what that is either. They don't look overcooked. Anymore. It's a place that has like pasta oriented food dishes. I mean, that makes sense with the name. Yeah. And also cookies. Yes. But yeah, they it it's a kind of cookie. It's very good. Mm. Sometimes I think yeah, they might I, make them as like a brownie in in a brownie format. Okay, I get that. Like like mm. Snickerdoodle squares. Yes. Oh, magic squares. Oh, I made them forever. I need to cook. I did make cookies this week, which was nice, but they came out a little dry. Anyway, so so they okay, can't do according that. According to Wikipedia, a snickerdoodle is a type of cookie made with butter or oil, sugar, and flour, and rolled in cinnamon sugar. Eggs may also Ooh, sometimes be used as an ingredient, with cream of tartar and baking soda added to leaven the dough. Tartar. Oh, and apparently they're also very common in the United States, but relatively unknown in other countries. Well, there you go. Like mine. Yes. Like, yeah, yes. Well, well, you have weird stuff. What was it a couple weeks ago? You brought up something that we had. Bags of milk? No, not bags of milk. It was some food thing. Carly Rae Jepsen? My well, high yeah, school Carly had bags of milk, and that was in America. I, I had, like, did you get bags of milk? No, we had milk delivery to our house for a while oh. when I was in college? Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Anyway. Anyway, so, so they, they can't do this, so they, they're gonna have to scale a cliff like, uh, like Adam West. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they they use the uh they use the scoop claw as like a giant uh grappling hook. See, the scoop claw is the answer to everything. Exactly. It solves all yes. problems. It's, gonna batarang it's, it's like on those little there. green aliens from Toy Story. The claw. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so they get up there, but unfortunately, the fire's coming up. Blades can't fly. And so they are, in fact, doomed to roast like snickerdoodles. But luckily, the other rescue bots get there in time. Heatwave puts out the fire. And uh, everybody uh, everybody carries um, blades down, which I, I found very sweet. There's a lot of danger in this show. Yeah. Also, when when they show up, Heatwave <laughs> does, I guess, the, the opposite of Transform and rolls out and says, let's grow some legs. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be on the list of like robots in disguise. Bumblebee has that thing where he's like trying to have a catch, <laughs> like a catchphrase. Yeah, stay tuned for that yes. one. Yeah, so, uh, so they they carry him back, and because he ain't heavy, he's my blades. Yes. And uh, they they get interviewed on TV again, and uh, and this time. Danny makes sure to, to, you know, she gets some airtime. She shouts out not only her little brother, but also their rescue vehicles. Yes. Which, and then Heatwave is like, I think it's Heatwave is like, she didn't, you say our names. I'm like, you don't officially have names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you and, could like 
pretend for the public that those are just your charming nicknames you've come up with for your robots so that your robots don't <laughs> feel sad for you don't not mentioning their names on public TV but still that that's you're being a little petty there you're forgetting the disguise yes. uh, so he uh so blades has spent some time in the stasis pod he's uh He's back in action, but uh, he's going to take that, uh, he's going to put the scoop claw aside for a little while. Yeah, he, he's going to take a break from it. It's, it's like animated Bumblebee and his little jump jets, his little jet packs. Oh, yeah, but wait, did they ever come back for Bumblebee? Yes, like, they the did. The scoop claw is never coming back? Oh, they I, did? I bet the scoop claw comes back. I bet I bet this came with one of these toys. Oh, yeah, I think the rockets did come back once in a slow mo episode. Yes. Or were they originally from slow mo? Ah, whatever. Or no, not. I don't think slow mo. No, that. Uh, um, what was Brian Posehn's character's name? <laughs> Damn it. The I know the episode was Velocity. What was his name? No, I don't. I don't think there was his name. Why am I totally blanking on this? Yeah, <laughs> it's annoying. It's like oh, I feel like I can remember everybody else, but his. This is going to drive me insane until I look it up. <laughs> it was Professor Princess. And... Not nope, the Angry no. Archer. No, not Angry Archer. Oh, Nanosec. Oh, Nanosec. oh that's why, because it's not a good name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no Angry Archer, and who specifically looked like yeah. Aaron Archer. Or at least it's, you know, it's a name that's not good for a speed power. Yes. Other than he can be there in a Nanosec, but that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, all the various flashes and things have stolen all the good names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have. Also, some bad ones. So, Professor Zoom and... Uh, oh, and, uh, yes, apparently he does use it repeatedly in throughout the series. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Yes. Anyway, uh, and, uh, yeah, Blaze that is... is worried about his waistline in this, and, and he's very touchy about his appearance like um they implying something with him uh i think he's just a little fastidious yeah I guess, well yeah i guess he's he's a little bit um 3po yeah he's a good boy <coughs> uh poor blades and that is where we end the episode yay you know it's it you know again similar for, similar formula in that we have two deadly dangers It's amazing this show, this island has not sunk into the ocean. Yeah, like, holy crap. There's a lot going on on this island. Optimus picked, I I kind of feel like Agent Fowler was like, like Optimus just like walked in on Agent Fowler, like, what are we going to do about this place? And he's like, I have a solution, (laughs) Agent Fowler. Oh, maybe this is the island where they got the dingus from. <gasps> Probably. I bet Dr. Brown, I'm sorry, Dr. Green made the dingus. Oh, well, well, we'll get excited because next episode we are, the uh, problems of this island are going to get slightly more ridiculous. <laughs> In Flobsters on Parade. Yes! Oh, so soon. We're almost there. Oh. It makes sense. This is Maine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Maine makes more accents that there's flobsters. 
Uh, it, oh, oh, uh, looking at the wiki page, I'm already going to have one complain about it. But anyway, um, time for a little report on more QQ Ranger stuff. QQ said, "Go, go, five. Tell us about the rescuing. Who is doing rescue? Um, episode three, explosive bonds, family issues, because they're a family, they have problems, they don't entirely all get along. What? Two of them had a fight in the back over, like, a fishing lure, and one of them almost got killed, but in the present day, the same one is hit by a backdraft from an, uh, the monster of the week, and the, the, the astronaut they rescued last episode... I think she might be a comic relief character <laughs> now. Because she's in another scene in this episode that's kind of funny where they're ushering her out because they have to go rescue something. But she's an astronaut that showed up at their house. Oh, that's a little odd. So and, was... um... Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to make a bad joke about, backdraft, about the movie Backdraft, but please go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead, because the Backdraft thing is kind of surprising. I was just gonna. I was assuming the episode's monster was in fact uh, that dastardly Scott Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, oh, I forget what it was called, but it had, like it drank gas and filled up big pods on its shoulders and threw explosive balls at people. Sure. <laughs> and um, something in this episode happens that, that it doesn't happen in every Sentai series, but it, it's usually a mark of quality that shit just got real. Um. The, the ranger that gets injured and hit by the backdraft, like, his face mask breaks, and, like, it's a cutaway. They cut the mask so you can see the actor's face underneath. And that's, it's like a sign. It's like, oh, shit, just got real. We took the time to make an extra mask, and you can see pain on their face. It's like, Ooh. oh, in episode three already? Usually that's something that happens, like, in the middle of the series when new villains get upgrades and oh, shit. It's, it's like crashing the helicarrier in a Marvel comic. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those escalation things. I mean, I'll note that the Marvel movies have still not crashed a helicarrier. Didn't they crash a Did, helicarrier in Civil War? Yeah, didn't it? Yeah. Or, wait. It's not a helicarrier. Didn't, didn't oh. Winter, didn't okay. the one in Winter Soldier, like... It almost crashes in Avengers, almost, but they, oh, still, almost they, they save it. Oh. Okay. Anyway, oh. so yes, that is, uh, that is Hot Shots. Uh, we will be back next week with Flobsters on Parade, <laughs> but until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, uh, we are on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted by iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with uh, hosting fees and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. And hopefully by the time this episode goes live, we'll know what we're doing for February. That's right. uh, I could totally pull some like random movie out of my ass, or perhaps it shall be the month of romance. Uh, uh, oh yeah, it is. But we watched Dracula Untold already. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, what Kamala Friends episode are we up to? Is it romantic? <laughs> I mean, well, because most of the episodes have been about getting to girls closer together so okay this is yes. good there's there's that time that uh, they helped uh, two lesbians move in together yeah yeah I, I don't think it will be as romantic as, as beaver and prairie dog where they introduce each other by kissing yeah that was really <laughs> good little cute. prairie dog uh, so uh, so until next time i'm rob i'm jen 
Hello, I'm David.